Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey friends, welcome to the Tennis and Bagels podcast. As you can probably tell again, uh, it is me, Vanch, and uh, although this time I have both my friends and faithfuls here with me to uh, for this week's episode, um, Andre, uh, who's been super busy in, with with work and going through some hectic times, is finally here to join me and Owen. Uh, Andre, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, and. Um... Super excited to be here. I'm obviously super excited to be part of this podcast since I've created it. So every time that I get a chance to be doing it, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's fantastic to have you back. But um, Owen, how are, how, how are you? How's this week of tennis been for you? It's been good. I haven't been able to watch as much as I'd like, but good to be here talking with you guys as always. And great to have you back as well, Andre. For Thank sure, you. yeah. Yeah, I mean, so so looking looking at this week, I mean, we've got a Masters one thousand on 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 the clay. Um, I'd say um, it's 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 bringing up some exciting different mix of results on both the WTA and the ATP. Um, as we know, um, King Rafa Nadal loves the clay clay court season, but um, the Madrid Masters is probably his least successful um, Masters one thousand on the clay. Um, and you know, generally we see some some new champions and we see different type of players um, thrive at least on the men's side um, at, at Madrid, because it plays a little bit more like a, like a hard court with the, with the altitude and it favors really offensive, aggressive players, but also players who hit big and have big serves and, uh, but generally also are comfortable moving and sliding on the clay. And, you know, of of course um, Nadal has won this tournament four times on the clay and once on the hard court. But uh, it also gives it some opportunity for some other players to go to go deep than the, your traditional uh, regular clay court type grinders who who do well, like in Barcelona and other places in South America and other clay court events generally. So it offers a, a great mix of results. Hmm. True, and uh, I just I'm just checking out the the draw here, especially for the the, the men's one, and mm-hmm. I just saw that Alex de Menor beat Jaime Munar. Yeah, great win for him. He yeah, was I, was, I was I was about to say <laughs> that's a that's a great win for for Deminor. Like a Munar is a Span, Spaniard, mm-hmm. obviously really good on clay. Yeah. That, that's gonna give give him a little bit of a boost for the kid. He's been he's been needing some. Yeah, definitely on the clay. He's he's struggled a lot in his career. He's obviously he would prefer the. You know, the, the faster sticker courts, um, but you know here he he was down. I think a set and a break, and Jaume Munar had him uh, uh, definitely thought Jaume would win that match because he was mm-hmm. up like six four four two, and then Dimonor showed great fight. And I saw some of the highlight reels. I didn't get to get a chance to um, see the match, yeah. but but it looks like it's a great result for him, and he could 
face Dimitrov in the next round or Lloyd Harris. So we'll we'll, we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, there were some other um, results today, like uh, Shapovalov won, which was nice to see. Yeah, uh, especially he's been struggling the last few weeks, um, and uh, so he could he could do something this week maybe. And then, you know, I guess I guess just looking at the draw in general, I'm curious. Uh, just you know, some general takeaways. What do you, what do you guys feel? How, how balanced is 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 it? You can go ahead first, Owen. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think I think the bottom half is naturally the more open half. Even though um, Medvedev is the two seed, he's not the strongest two seed you would typically have in an ATV clay draw. So I think the players on that half definitely have a more realistic hope of making the final. But I would say my main interest is Dominic's team in the top half. This is his first tournament mm-hmm. back for a while. It's on what used what was formerly easily his favorite surface clay and it may still be but with his um much improved results on the hard courts i think you could argue that hard court may be one of his favorite surfaces now as well yeah but i'm just really interested to see how he does he's going to have i think a manageable first round um second round overall because he gets a buy against uh, pablo Andujar or uh, marco skiron correct and yeah. after that he could get um the winner of a demon or and either uh, Lloyd Harris or Grigor Dimitrov. So I think his first round should be a good one to ease him into it. But after that, it could be tougher. I think Demon or he wouldn't have much trouble with, but Dimitrov is who he lost to at the Australian Open. Mm-hmm. And I think if those two were to play, it could be a really physical match, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. It's just good to see him back in a draw. And I hope that whatever happens, his body will hold up. Yeah. Um, a couple other names I'm interested in. Seeing um, play matches are uh, Andre Rublev, Stefanos Tsitsipas. I think it's going to be interesting to see if they can back up their strong results from Monte Carlo and uh, Tsitsipas Barcelona as well, because he had a great Barcelona tournament. He was a point away from winning it. And uh, and as you said, this is the most open, typically, uh, Clay Masters 1000 on the ACP side, given that Nadal doesn't have as insanely good results here as he does at the others i mean to be fair this this tournament was hard court before 2009 so he's had fewer chances to win it on the clay mm-hmm. but all but all the same you're right about the altitude uh, the ball flies through the through the air quicker rewards more attacking styles than monte carlo or roman or roland garros so i'm hoping we get a good competitive tournament lots of close matches and i'm hoping we see uh, some big names facing off later in the draw uh what do you think andre um yeah i'm in the same page as you like i don't although i I wouldn't read too much obviously into the dimitrov win against tim team and uh in uh in australia just because team was having his 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 struggles there um apparently he had a foot injury and whatnot and dimitrov also had a had a bit of a hard time against nadal like uh, in, in was the monte carlo or barcelona uh, yeah, yeah, it was Monte Carlo. Although Monte Carlo, yeah. he did have, I think, a bad toothache. He said after, um, yeah, hadn't been sleeping. So I think he, he hasn't been sleeping right well. And who knows? Maybe he's. Hopefully, he's he's better now. Toothache is not something that you be considering much of an injury, but much of like a more of like a health problem. So yeah. maybe he's got through it and could be could be tough too because he's he's a he's a big hitter as well. He likes to attack. Sometimes he likes to push a little bit and just prove how great he is and how speedy he is on the back of the court. Um, but yeah, honestly, for everybody in uh, team's draw, I think team just just plays the type of game that they play, but better. He's he's as fast as Deminor, I would say. Probably not as fast, but he's pretty fast. Close, yeah. He's really well. Explosive, um, yeah. Yeah, it's very explosive. He's got a very similar game to Dimitrov, but better. <laughs> mm. he, he hits bigger than Rublev 
can ever hope to do, especially on a clay court, even though Rublev really did pull off a great win against Nadal. So maybe he will have some confidence against this, um, against um, his opposition out here in Madrid. And as you said, like since the courts can play a little bit faster, it could be, be in his favor as well. He could be able to be putting away more forehands than he would in Barcelona and Monte Carlo. Um, but yeah, I feel like my actual interest is actually like in the in the in the at the bottom half of the draw. Not necessarily that I'm not interested in the top half, but it seems like a little bit more. You're seeing like the old names that you just want to see how they do. Obviously, have Yannick Sinner, but I just want to see how the guys, um, especially Tsitsipas, handles the defeat against Nadal. He said he was having nightmares for about it, like for like four days after. Yeah, mm. and um, if he if he can can pull like pull it off and just go back into the to another final of a Masters 1000 right away, like that would be that would be pretty good for him. That would be pretty pretty big record for him. Uh, on a, on the clay court season, imagine if he wins the title, he will have a total of like one defeat to whatever. Like, God knows how many wins. <laughs> like some some something close to twenty wins already. Um, yeah. So so that would be a pretty pretty good um you know you know thing for him going into the other uh, Masters one thousand in Rome and mm-hmm. especially back in in Roland Garros. I want to see how Berrettini does as well. He just won um, a, a title, beat Karatsev, a super informed player. Um, whom we totally thought he was just going to get like, you know, walked over, rolled over by Berrettini just because he had like super epic against Djokovic. But he made it very intense at the end, like it was decided on a tie break, which finished 7-0 by the way, but it's but still. Um, I want to see Medvedev just because I want to see, is is he going to keep going on the not playing well on clay or is he going to finally fi- figure out um, how he how he did it back in like 2018 or 19, I think. When he reached the semifinal or a final, um, so yeah, that would be interesting. Um, of course, my boy Shapovalov is in there. I saw Ojeliasim is also in there, so I'm excited for, to see how the Canadians do. do. Um, keep um, saying the same thing over and over, but like, is Tony Nadal gonna do um, a great job on Aliasim's um, coaching side? Uh, what is there stuff that he's going to change for him? I, I'm excited for for all those things. You know, like Canadian tennis yeah. is a bright future. Yeah, those are those are all excellent takeaways. I think I'm 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 excited much of the much of the same things. I think the bottom half is is intriguing. I mean, you know, Sitsipas, you know, he mentioned he'd love to uh have a crack at that match point again uh mm-hmm. for the for the past four days, but he's also he seemed pretty pretty confident and he said uh high high goals for himself. He he says he wants to finish the year in the top three. Um and he wants to, you know, he, he wants to not let this defeat linger. And so I think you know, and you know, obviously Madrid. He he got to the final in 2019, and he pulled off that win against Nadal. Eventually, ran into Djokovic um, in the final. But you know, here if he can, if he can get through his his section of the draw, I honestly, if he's playing well, these kind of courts and and the way he's, you, you know, the level that he demonstrated in um, Monte Carlo and Barcelona, it will help his serve. It'll help his um, his his weight of shot, his explosivity. He'll be able to push so many guys behind the baseline. He he just he has so much variety and he knows how to play well here and so i so i still i i i like his chances to do well this week um you know if we look at his draw he's got you know potentially basilishvili first that'd be pretty tricky mm-hmm. because basilishvili is coming off a off a title but you just you just never know with him and he's you know he's he is coming off a title so the turnaround might be uh, a bit quick and uh you know or he could and he's he's got pair in the first round who's super flaky right. so so i, I mean I, I would say pair is a heavy favorite to get through that i mean 
very oh, interesting yeah. first round opponent. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, gives his hundred percent in every match he plays. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so I mean, and then you mentioned Felix. I'm excited about him. They're in the same section. I mean, if Felix and Sitsipas play again, what what is Felix going to do differently? That'll be interesting. But if Felix um, can get through Casper Ruud first, because that's a very tricky first round, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, not one that. Uh, that I necessarily favor Felix heavily, but then, but I mean, you, you know, uh, pretty good. And then, you know, Medvedev obviously had COVID, but he's, uh, he's recovering. Uh, well, at least that's what he said. Um, and he said his, his relationship with Clay was, is not going to change much, which I wouldn't read mm-hmm. that much into. I, I would say in general that, you know, I mean, Clay takes away a lot of his strengths. He's a very flat ball striker. Um, he's, he, he just struggles moving on it and sliding. It doesn't come naturally for him. Obviously we know the best, his best results have come on the quicker, quicker courts and especially hard courts, but, uh, you know, given that this is Madrid and his serve will be helped by the altitude and, you know, I mean, he's got Davidovich Fakina. That's tough in the first round or her Herbert, but, yeah, um, Herbert uh, and Medvedev played in a tournament final earlier this year. So rough way to start. Yeah. Yeah, and he's also the guy that took out Medvedev from two sets to love down at the French Open in 2019. So, oh yeah, you're right. Uh, that would be a rematch of that. But you know, I mean, if but you know, I I like him to to win a match or two. I don't think he's going to completely flop because I think, uh, you know, I think he, you know, the, the the a lot has been made about him on clay, but I I do think uh, in the future at some point he is going to win a match. You know, at rolling he's going to yeah. win a match at these tournaments. Like it's just sure, yeah. he's too good not to. And you know of you know f- uh, the way that surfaces are these days it's not so like if you do yeah. if you're so good on one surface you're not going to do well on the others i think it's much more um homogenized and much more mm-hmm. you know i mean like i'll just give you an example like andy murray had um you know a tough time on clay before before obviously he wasn't r- losing round one of roland garros but i mean he was he was consistently having trouble getting to what his other results were at the Australian and Wimbledon and US and, and other places. And eventually he figured out a way and it's still his worst surface. He got to one final, but I think, uh, and a lot of his same problems on clay were, you know, lack of firepower on the forehand, couldn't finish points as effectively as he would on, on hard court. He had a very nice compact flat backhand. So it rewarded him on those quicker courts and on clay, it's just, it's tougher to get the sliding right. And, the, you know, there's just more players that can, that can hang with you. Um, in that in that in that department, but I think you know Medvedev can. It will take him a few years, but I I, I think he's gonna definitely like he said his goal is to win one match at all these tournaments, and because he cannot do worse than what he did in 2019. So I think <laughs> the, the the pressure is off for him in yeah, that, that regard. That's a candidate quote quote of the year there uh, with the whole winning one match at every tournament on clay one would think that would have to happen at some point for him um yeah and uh to go back to what you said um a bit earlier about the conditions suiting tt pass um i think you're totally right i remember a quote he had in 2019 from when he played rafa in madrid and rome and after he lost him in rome after having won in three sets in madrid he said some of the shots i was hitting for winners in madrid were not winners here and he was getting them back and it was slower. So you're, you're totally right. This is what this, um, these conditions do suit his game. His forehand's going to be flying through the court a lot more than it might have at uh, Monte Carlo or it might at Rome. So I think, um, so I think definitely look for him to make a deep run here as well. And I'm really, really interested to see if he can back up his strong results. Uh, TT Foss Nadal, I think could be a, a budding rivalry on clay. So I'd yep. definitely be happy to see another match between those two. And I'm just interested to see how long he can sustain his momentum. Absolutely. And I think we've touched mm-hmm. on uh, all the names except for Rafa. 
So, right. I, I mean, let's talk about his path a little bit because he's got, uh, yeah. you know, potentially potentially Alcaraz in the first round. I, I would love to see mm-hmm. a match between Alcaraz and Nadal. I know that, uh, that Alcaraz fun. is not probably not going to win. Uh, he's yeah. just not there yet, you know, you know, um, in his development to to really have a realistic chance. But I think, you know, um, I think I just I'm just excited to see how his game uh, how how his game would match up. It would be so much such a good experience, even if he gets thrashed. You know, it would be it would be just something that he can take and learn from and grow. And he's only 18, so I think, or is, is he even 18 yet? I don't know. I think he's around 18. But um, you know, if he gets through that, then then I'd love to see another match with Sinner. So I really hope yes. that he he mm-hmm. plays Sinner again, because I mean I mean Sinner's got Paya in the first round and then potentially a, a winnable match against either Struve or Popperin. So I think mm-hmm. you know. If we if we see him play against uh, Alcaraz and Struff, uh, I would love that because I think those are actually good tests, or you know, early on for Rafael um, for uh, or Sinner, right? Yeah, and and so um, you know, and then I actually think his quarterfinal opponent is pretty open because I don't think Zverev is playing very well right now. He lost early no, in Munich, and yeah. he's not in form. He has an elbow injury. He's been complaining uh-huh. a lot in press, and he's you know been saying like uh, you know he's not having motivation in the bubbles or whatever. So I don't think that bodes well for his chances. I can um, see Daniel Evans you know, going you know, to the quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah. K- K- is in that section as well. He yeah, is I, I, and I actually have uh, Kane Ishikori getting to the quarterfinal. I have a good feeling about yeah. him. He's done well in Madrid. Um, he's gotten to a final here before. I know he doesn't have a big surf, but I think you know he's. Uh, oh, he covers it pretty well, especially on uh, clay. Yeah, 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 exactly. He covers it. He backs it up really nicely, and I think you know he, he the set that he played against uh, Nadal. Uh, was was impressive that he took six two and then you know he's just been building every week like he beat some good players and then he got to Nadal and then you know eventually he lost six two in the third but it was a fun match to watch very competitive even the third set mm-hmm. was was close in the beginning so yeah. I definitely think that uh, he can he can do well this week it wouldn't shock me at all if he beat Hachinov and Zverev and yeah. you know and found his way I mean her catches in that section too so that's interesting like her catch Evans you know that kind of thing. So, so I'm excited to see. My prediction is he plays Nishikori and Nadal in the quarters, and uh, Nadal gets through it. And then, um, you know, the, then my 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 thing is just uh, you know team. The thing is, after long layoffs, uh, I'm not sure what to expect from him. Like mm-hmm. I just, you know, like uh, you know, he could he could lose early, and just he might not be 100 percent yet. He might, you know, it might still still take him. To, he strikes me as the kind of guy that needs a lot of matches and reps to kind of get yeah. his momentum going. Uh, we've just seen that in the past. That's why he used to play a lot of tournaments when he was younger. And just to kind of build that match uh, sustainability and consistency, that, that rhythm that he's seeking. And I think that match rhythm is so key for him. That's why he played. Um, that's what I think eventually got him over the line in 2020 is just so much experience in matches and so much uh, yeah. failure and then eventually getting over the line. And I just think sometimes first tournament back, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think his draw is manageable. Like it's not, it's not too bad until the quarters, like you, like you were saying, Owen, but uh, you know, is he ready to beat Rublev yet? I'm not sure. And if Rublev gets there, um, you know, I think this will reward his first strike tennis a lot more, even though, um, you know, he's not quite as dynamic as your Sitsipas's and team and Nadal's and uh, mm-hmm. of the world. But I think uh, if we got to see a team Rublev, that'd be a, a good barometer of where, um, uh, team is at and you know if if let's say Rublev and Bautista good play another really physical match like they did in Monte Carlo and then and then they play each other in uh then he plays team in the quarters Rublev that would be uh then you know maybe team team likes his chances a lot more so I'm I'm just mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm curious I really hope we get Nadal team you know in the semis Me too. personally that's what I would love to see I'd love to see Sitsipas in there as well um for my semis but I, I I'm predicting uh, in the top half, I'm predicting a Nadal Rublev uh, semifinal. Um, yeah. By you guys, 
Um, I, I think that's a good pick. And and I like what you said about the team potential team Rublev match. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that team is a better player than Rublev in pretty much every way. But I also think yep. that you're right. He needs a lot of matches to come back. It, the thing with him is once he gets into form, it happens very quickly. Like we saw with the U.S. Mm-hmm. Open lead up last year, he got absolutely blown off the court by Krajinovic in Cincinnati, I think, and yeah. then went on to win the U.S. Open. So I think even if he doesn't do well here, if he's physically okay, we won't have to read too much into it. Yep. But I really hope he does win a few matches because it's easy to forget since he's been out for a little bit and since TT Pass has been so successful on the clay in his absence that team was the second best clay court player for the last couple of years. Um, and if you take out 2020, made Roland Garros finals in 2018 and 2019, he'd beaten it all on the clay for four straight years. So I'd just love to see him back in the mix because we know how high his peak level is. Uh, what are your thoughts, Andre? Yeah, I think if we backtrack to Nadal a bit, that was um, that's a tweet that I posted, and I feel like um, it's always interesting to to watch Nadal play on clay because uh, it and it's not like it's not like I don't care anymore about like those Masters one thousand, but it just feels like Nadal has has reached such a high level of uh, expectation and, and you know um, prowess and prowess on, on clay courts that I, I, for me. At this point, it only matters to see him like what he does in Roland Garros because that's that's where I'm going to be like, this is where the king of clay really excels. This is where, well, not that he doesn't excel, like winning obviously like 11 Monte Carlos and 12 Barcelona is, is pretty good yeah. at, at the other tournaments too. But like, um, it's 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 for me, it's just show court for me. Like at this point, like on the doll, like everywhere else other than at Roland Garros because it's like, it doesn't really matter for me in terms of gauging his form. Uh, I want to see maybe how others are playing against him and whatnot, but even still, it's, it's not going to be like um, it's not going to be incredibly telling. If, for example, if Sinner wins against Nadal in three, is it telling at all that Nadal isn't going to beat him like six four, six two, six two, Roland Garros? You, you never know, right? Like, yeah. Especially because Madrid is, as we speak, in, as we said so many times already, it's so much different than the conditions at Roland Garros, right? Yeah. So and. I don't know. I feel like in terms of Nadal, um, it wouldn't surprise me if he loses, but also it wouldn't surprise me if he wins this tournament, like at this point in his career. Um, um, it wouldn't be ex- extremely big news for me. Maybe I just want to see him playing well because I want to see how the other guys are like approaching the game against him. Against him. And as you said, like I, I want to see Alcaraz playing him. I want to see Sinner playing him again. Um, I want to see Nishikori making it through the quarters as well. I would like to see Dominic team playing against him as well, or maybe not Rublev because I've already seen it against him in Monte Carlo. Um, it wouldn't be necessarily all too new. Um, so I feel like I, I would like to, as per what I would like to see happening, I would say probably I, would, I wanted to put Nadal in team as well um, into that semifinal um, okay. uh, spots. Um, and to be fair, I'd, I, I I almost don't really care who makes it to the final. I think I would probably say Nadal again, just because I want him to play Tsitsipas in the final again. Uh, so that's my pick already for the bottom half. I want to say I want to see Tsitsipas as well in the final. Um, it's pretty great to see him making his third straight final on clay um, and uh, two straight a second straight final on the Masters 1000. So that be that be really sweet. Um, I would, I do think though that um, I have a feeling that Nadal is, might, might lose um, before the final though. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm probably gonna put like um, okay. uh, I'm probably gonna say <sighs> to whom will he lose? That's what I have no clue. I'm gonna say that um, I'll say Rublev makes it to the final. 
I think maybe Rublev can get a, a second straight win. That's very, very, very. Uh, <laughs> um, I won't say wishful thinking, but that, yeah, that'd be pretty incredible for for somebody to get two straight wins against Nadal yeah. Clay. Uh, Has that happened since uh, Djokovic did it in like yeah. 2015, 2016? I was about to say, like I don't think wins, anyone else win. not named uh, Djokovic has ever done yes, this. Yes, someone maybe. winning back-to-back matches yeah. over Nadal on clay. On clay? Um, yeah. D- did Fonini do it, maybe, in, like, 2015? Uh, no. Yes, he did, actually. He did, Fonini did it in 2015. He beat him at yeah. Buenos Aires, uh, in the, or he beat him at Rio, actually, in the semis, and then he beat him at Barcelona. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, I, I don't. So he did I it, don't but, put a whole lot in stock. Yeah. Yeah. So him and him and Djokovic, but him and Djokovic, but I agree. Um. You know. You know. Andre, we don't want to see chalk predictions. So give me whatever. You know. Give me. <laughs> you know, if it's not Nadal, that's the that's all the all the more merit. Yeah. Because I want to say I want to say Rublev. Yeah. I want to say Rublev makes it to to the final of this section. I think Dominic okay. team is is going to make it to the to the quarterfinals boy if rublev actually does that that's what i'm saying he's going to be the player to beat because it's beating dominic team and nadal uh, back to back that'd be ridiculous achievement would then uh take him out in the final yeah Crazy exactly just... again <laughs> yeah that, that would hurt so much imagine um yeah, you've you beaten nadal twice on clay and don't win either tournament um yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with you that I have a bit of a sense that Nadal might lose. I mean, I think I'm not, I'm not, I'm honestly not that interested in like how he does this tournament. I feel like if he plays his best, he'll win. But I also think it's going to be the toughest for him at this tournament. So I'm more interested in seeing him play like team and those, uh, and maybe it's Foss again than how he does eventually. So I hope like we get to see some fun matches with him on clay because when he's playing well, it's just a great barometer for the other player. Like if someone is playing well on clay on the ACP side, Nadal is the ultimate measuring stick for how well Absolutely. they're really playing and how yeah. good their level really is. So, so I do hope he goes deep just, just so that we can see him play a bunch of other players. But, um, but yeah, I really don't think, I think what you said earlier was exactly right, Andre, and that how he does here has basically no relevance to how he'll do at Roland Garros. So for that mm-hmm. reason, I'm not like at all invested in mm-hmm. sort of like how far he makes it. Yeah. Uh, and the, the other thing too, yeah. And the other thing too about it is like, it's not even about the tennis level at this point in his career. It's just yeah. how do you approach playing Nadal and Clay? plays a huge part as well like you can just crumble under pressure and just kind of make double faults on like tough points and they that's when you see that even if Nadal is not playing well he can beat yeah. you just by his his sheer presence on a court and it's not his fault like I mean he's 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 totally earned his presence on the court he's totally oh, yeah. earned his uh... the fact that he's he's such a giant on court that you just feel like you're, you're miserable and you're destined to lose against mm-hmm. him so like mentally how can you do this like mentally how could Sinner um potentially win a set against Nadal and come close to victory and take it. You know, Tsitsipas lost, but not because of mental. I would, I would say in Barcelona, he lost because Nadal is just better. Uh, so yeah. that's what I want to see. I want to see players um, pushing Nadal to the, to the point where Nadal has to be a better player, not just uh, bring his reputation and destroy them before they enter the court, right? So yeah, that that is so well put because you're totally right that there are a couple of ways you can lose to Nadal on clay. You can lose before you even set a foot on court, and you can succumb to the aura and lose like six one six one, or you can throw everything at him 
and force him to raise his level in blues anyway, like TT like Frost yeah. did. He got all the way to championship point and then just fell a little bit short. Uh, and Nadal was the better player at the end. And Nadal is the most fun to watch when he has to go to that place and he has to raise his level because the opponent is pushing with equal force. So that's that's what I want to see this tournament. Yeah. Well. All right. Well, that's a good analysis. But um, now if we now just uh, really quickly, uh, how about mm-hmm. your semifinals? Uh, and final, and you know these matches are, are so far away, and you know so much can happen. But but you know just uh, just cu- curiosity, just predicting. You know, and, you know what, what do you think happens? Uh, just give me the semis and the final, and and who who do you think wins? All right. Um, so I think Nadal makes the semis on the top half. I want the pick team to make the semis as well, but I think it's too soon. So I'll say Rublev. And then bottom half, I think uh, Pass and I'll go Berrettini. And then I think Nadal and Pass make it to the final and Nadal wins pretty boring picks, but uh, mm. I'm not convinced enough by anyone else to go against those guys. Yeah. Those are exactly my picks as well. I had um, I had I had Nadal Rublev um, before I actually did it this uh, before we did the podcast. I was uh, just coming up with my with my predictions, and I had Nadal Rublev and I had Berrettini and Tsitsipas. I had Tsitsipas in the final playing Nadal, and then I have uh, Nadal beating him more straightforwardly than he did in uh, in, Barcelona. In, uh, in Barcelona because I think yeah. he'll just he'll play at a better level, at an even higher level. I think in Barcelona he was at about an eighty to eighty five percent, and he found a way to win. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. at, at the very end but i but uh yeah he's the closer he's getting to roland garros and i think he might he might suffer an early loss in rome like a quarterfinal loss or something in rome again yeah, that's what um, happened in 2017 you know, yeah and and that wouldn't surprise me because back-to-back weeks and you know you need yeah yeah so so i i have nadal winning this um as well but you know, you know yeah it doesn't mean much yeah, Andre, I'm, please I'm, differentiate yeah. your picks and make this interesting. I will, yeah. I will. I will. Because I've already put, I have already placed so much stock in Rublev going like the crazy run on Madrid and beating. Uh, I'm not going to yeah. back down. I think it's going to be Nadal in straight six four seven five. All this, right. That's that's probably as ambitious as it gets for a pick. <laughs> um, except oh. if you was Medvedev, then you'd just be unrealistic. But regardless, yeah, uh, on the semifinals, I'm gonna switch up a little bit. I, I'm gonna say Tsitsipas, but Karina Busta in the in the semis. Okay, I like that. Okay. Karina yeah, Busta's like been that, playing too. very well, so yeah. he, he, he could beat Berrettini. You know? Yeah, and it, it feels like it's a kind of like a good mix for him. It's a faster core. He did well in the U.S. Open before, so you know he he's good on like faster courts as well. But he's also naturally um, a clay court player, so I feel like it's going to be like good best of both worlds for him in Madrid. So, but I I still would back Tsitsipas to win. Probably maybe. Karina uh, Busta is such a fighter. I would say probably like in three sets, but I think it would be a little bit more straightforward. Like in. Mm. And uh, like a six-three in the third, like not too much um, on 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 return for Karina Busta. So I feel like that's what's going to happen. That's a good. And then Tsitsipas is going to yeah. beat again. Um, uh, Rublev again, and probably yeah. Rublev is going to be gassed again, and it's going to be another. Yeah. <laughs> and I right. feel so bad for Rublev in this scenario. It would you would be ter- you be so great a week, but so terrible as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, th- th- this reminds me of like uh, Indian Wells 2013 when uh, Del Potro beat like Djokovic and Murray, and then uh, he got Nadal in the final. And like, yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, it's so Rublev's brutal. got a top pack, uh, to yeah. be sure. Because you guys know, I mean, Karenia Busta can can basically play on all these clay court and hard court events. He can get to quarters, semis, round of 16s. You know, he's yeah. pretty consistent. But 
the one slam where he has done nothing is Wimbledon. He's 0 for 5 in matches there. Just Dang. like Medvedev oh, wow. is just like mm-hmm. Medvedev is 0 for 5 at Roland Garros. Yeah. <laughs> how is how is Busta only played there five times? He's he's around yeah. 30, isn't he? Maybe he just decided yeah, I mean, to skip it a few times. Injuries yeah, also, you know. Yeah. So it's yeah, injuries and then and then he 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 kind of uh, was a late bloomer a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just like Schwartzman was kind yeah, of probably, so probably had to go through qualies and lost before. Yeah, yeah. That's fair. That's yeah, Wimbledon is also main a draw, tough place so. to love yeah. if uh if you don't do well there right away. I think uh, Sampras yeah. and Agassi both yeah. hated it like the first time they played it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because one of the not to go too deep into the grass court season yet, but um, one of the coolest things about Wimbledon is that the court actually changes as the week goes by. Yeah, because exactly. The very first day, it's the fastest, and the last day, it's mm. far more. Uh, you know, like the the grass is all you know messed up because of so much action. So that's yeah. a little bit of stuff like that. That's why upsets can happen more often, and like you know, serving volley is like. Um, Beneteau almost did it and uh, Dustin Brown did it and uh, Rosal also big serve uh, did it against Nadal. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, Stakovsky also. So guys like that that can play like a high risk, high reward plays can can do well in Wimbledon in the first rounds and then not yeah. do so well afterwards. But yeah, that's... Yeah. I'm yeah. sure we can also... Yeah. Now you're now you're making me so excited about Wimbledon. You know, yeah. I, I was gonna say, oh God, I gonna yeah, yeah. Let's get through the clay first. So I mean, yeah. So so now we yeah, go no now problem. we go to the now we go to the WTA side in, in Madrid. Yeah. And the thing about this tournament is like you know, the men and the women like they're at such different stages. Like you know, the the women's have already gotten to the fourth round. We've seen you know, know. a couple couple of rounds already. You know, in some for some players, three rounds because they don't uh, they don't have a buy, and you know only the sixteen seeds have a buy. And I mean this tournament already. So stacked, so many popcorn matches. I mean, we don't even have Mugur- we don't even have Muguruza. We don't have Kennan. We don't have uh, Andrescu and Williams. And still, we have so many, uh, you know, matches Sounds that just like you keep, don't miss them. <laughs> keep, keep keep delivering. Yeah, I mean, so yeah. so imagine uh, you know Rome, you know, when they're all back. So I would I would love that because uh, you know I'd love to see Serena in here. I'd love to see Andrescu in there. I'd like to yeah. see matches matches with them. But you know, what intrigues me the most is um, is the way these sections panned out because. You know, you've got players like Sakari in there, Martins in there. You know, Sabalenka has been so consistent week after week. Hmm. Um, you know, basically only losing three sets to players like Muguruza and uh, Party, and you know Serena in three sets at the Australian Open. So she's she's putting herself there at least every week. And then, you know, but the main match for me that I'm that I'm super excited, which is actually going to be tomorrow, 
at mm. uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time is Barty and Sviantec, the reigning, you know, French Open champions, 2019 versus 2020. And I'm so, so looking forward to it because, you know, Barty is on the streak. She's number one in the race. She's proving herself on every surface. She won last week in Stuttgart. Um, you know, Owen and I covered that in depth, uh, you know, last week. And, you know, she's looked pretty good here. I would say a little bit scratchy uh, yesterday against the Dantzik. She dropped one set, 6-1. But, you know, you know, nonetheless, she, she's got her day off. And, you know, she's playing Sviantec, who's basically rolling through players on clay, you know, since, since the start of Roland Garros. And it'll be so interesting to see if she can keep it up. And, you know, I, I just uh, I, I just really want to see what happens tomorrow in that match. I bet you guys, I bet both of you are pretty excited about it as well. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, I, I'm glad we're starting with this match because this is um absolute popcorn match. Doesn't get much more exciting than this. I think this is, this is basically a match between the two defending champions at Roland Garros because uh, Sviantek won it last year. Barty won it the year before that and didn't play it last year. So I think these are two of if not the two favorites for Roland Garros and so seeing them clash this early in the clay season I think is going to be such a treat two of the best forehands in the game two of the best clay court players in the game right now so yeah I mm-hmm. I just can't wait for it yeah 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 same for me here like I mean Zviatek uh, is quickly becoming one of my favorite players and it's really good that she backed up like um, all of the anticipation and, and expectation with pretty big wins it's almost like her first round win was um a statement that she wanted to give to the world yep. like hey i am still really good on clay it wasn't a one slam wonder thing well maybe she hasn't won a slam yet and this is not a slam but like i mean it's pretty good signs that it can happen again so um uh, this is going to be a super exciting match i'm as much as i really like Barty, i am rooting for Viantek on this one just because mm-hmm. i i'm she has suffered some like pretty tough losses and this year already and you know, I feel like it would mean so much to her to beat Barty, but it's 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 really tough because I also really like Barty and I want her to like win more tournaments as well. And you know, um, she did super well in Stuttgart, won Miami, of course. Um, but yeah, and one of the things that is striking me as I look at this draw is that, especially, well, a lot of the seats has have already fallen; they have already lost. Yeah. But look at the people who who are still in the draw. We have Kudermetova, um, and then we have um, Jabor. Pegula and then Pavlyuchenkova, Mukova. They're not, all of them are non-seeded players, and yeah. they're they're equally as good as like so many of the these yeah, players are. right here. So, yeah, it's 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 just pretty amazing how we it's just gotten so tough, and there's still ways to go before the final. And you know, whoever wins any tournament at WTA right now just deserves it thoroughly because it's kind of it's pretty ridiculous the level of play that is is right there right now. Yeah, um, I mean, couldn't agree more. Yeah. And the, the anticipation is there right from round one. And you know, you know, you know, before it used to be you, you, you know, you at least wait till like at the Australian Open. We know we had some anticipation, but it was really like round four. Whoa, like stacked. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, but this is like you know, right from like round one. You know, and these are Masters one thousands. Like today, we had, um, you know, Carolina Mukova play a match. You know, for the first time since. Uh, since her Australian Open because she's been out because of the, the abdominal injury that she had. And uh, mm. obviously Osaka hasn't played much because other than, uh, you know, Miami, uh, where she lost to Sakari. So mm. for, for her, this was her first clay court tournament back. And, you know, I, you know she looked, Naomi, uh, you know, on the clay, obviously, you know, we all know that her hard court results are superb. She's won four majors and she's done very well on, uh, you know, at, at 
at every hardcore level, uh, but but her clay and grass results, you know, still need some some proving to do. But at the same time, it still feels like, uh, you know, she's making progress, even though in in a weird way, like you know, she lost today to Carolina Mukova, uh, and you know, Mukova is a twentieth player in the world. She's not seated, but she's a semifinalist at the Australian Open. You know, clay is arguably her best surface, and she she really pushed Osaka and made her work extremely hard just to even the sets. Um, you know, she was six, four, three, one up. And then Osaka hit like a purple patch and won five games in a row. And uh, the thing about Osaka on the, on the clay that, that uh, I, I say um, diminishes some of her strengths is um, she doesn't get as much out of her serve. Um, it's a bit more nullified on the clay because uh, you know, so many, other, so many um, great returners and so many players that can, make it extremely physical and her movement is she's just less comfortable moving on the surface. So she's Absolutely. Uh, less mm-hmm. able to get, uh, you know, first strikes in. and, you know, she attacks and she plays extremely offensive, but she, she, in this match, she said afterwards that she was playing overly offensive and overly uh, aggressive with her first strikes in order to mitigate the fact that she knows in order to hide that weakness of hers, which is the the movement, she still feels. She said, still says afterwards that I'm learning how to slide. I'm learning how to play on the surface. It's been two years since she last played. Obviously, we know last year she didn't play at all the clay season. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so for her, in in a weird way, I actually think, and she was super positive about this. And um, Mukova, after uh, I have to say, Mukova, that third set that she played was, was outstanding. It was so good because um, you know I, I I thought Naomi was coming back, and you know it was a six one set, but. Early stages were quite close. She had a game point to, uh, you know, to make it even. And uh, Mukova was not only redirecting her pace, but producing these outstanding angles and, yeah. you know, um, basically pushing Osaka behind her back foot, which is not easy to do with the power that she has. And she was hitting behind her, which was super, super effective. She was uh, mixing in slice. She was, uh, she's just making Osaka so uncomfortable, you know, all around mm-hmm. the court. And, you know, she's... She's definitely one that I think can go further. But then you look at the WTA draw and it's like she plays Sakari next. And Sakari yeah, is so... Which is brutal. Yeah. Is, is, yeah. Is, and then X is yeah. Brady, probably. So yeah. Think, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, I mean, Sakari, I, I thought that would be a much closer match against Annette Condovate, but it was, uh, uh, you know, straight straightforward. Three and one, yeah. it looks like. So, <laughs> so it, this is uh, becoming increasingly harder to predict. And then you have players that are unseated like Kuder Mitova, you know, who won Charleston on the green clay and uh, has gotten to another final this year. And is basically only losing to players that are in the top 15 and yeah. she's beating everybody else. So it's like, and then you have, you know, you have somebody like Jabor who plays with so much variety and so much a yeah. little bit. Uh, sometimes she goes for too many drop shots and drop shot returns. And sometimes yeah, it's just you know, sort of like learning how to win matches in a way, but yeah, she's like, got game. Yeah. She's got so much, uh, just almost too much game that she doesn't know which shot to hit at the right time. It's, it's, it's like, uh, it's like uh, most of her errors are like shot selection errors. And, you know, Mm. she's probably the best player that hasn't won a WTA title yet, but uh, you know, but she, she beats, I was just laughing at some of the shots she was coming up with against uh, Sloan Stephens, just like, just just like drop shot return winners off like second serves. Like I just, you know, I've I've just never seen that before. There was a point where Sloan Stephens like just fell into the uh, bottom of the net and she tweeted afterwards. She's like, this is, this basically sums up my day. Sums up my tournament. It must be so frustrating. Jabber did really well there. 
Yeah. It must have been so yeah. frustrating to so, play a player like that. <laughs> and then you have somebody like Petra Kovitova, who's like just so hit or miss. And you right. know, on yeah. her day, on her day, she just swipes winners left and right. And it's almost like even when she, I remember when she beat Peak Serena here in 2015, like mm-hmm. one of Serena's best years in the semis, and it was like over in an hour because she was just swiping winners left and right. And it's like uh, just knocking, yeah. you know, Serena off on her, on her back foot. It's like, she can, when she plays her best, it almost doesn't matter who she's playing. Yeah. Like she'll just take the racket out of your hand and she's won Madrid three times, but I just, I, I don't know what to expect from her. Like, I don't know if yeah. she'll, <laughs> she'll just, she'll blow another big lead against Kudermitova because it's very much hit or miss on the day. But right. And even if she gets through Kudermitova, her next match is going to be brutal. So that's Barbie or Shiontek. So it's, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. it's almost not even worth predicting these these matches it's yeah. so yeah. there's so um there's yeah. so much intrigue but it's yet like uh it, it still feels like anybody's tournament like yeah mm-hmm. I, um yeah you made a lot of good points i think um on osaka i think her match was a nice illustration that clay is a different surface from hard court not just in the speed but in the movement because you were totally yeah. right on her movement that quote she had was perfect about still learning how to slide and that was really clear from watching points from that match it was obvious that Mukova was way more proficient in sliding. Yeah. Osaka would only slide a little bit when she was on the defensive. Sometimes she wouldn't slide at all and she would take a bunch of small steps instead to change direction. And so it's, it's pretty clear to me that her problem on clay is much less like her heavy ground strokes are still there. Mm -hmm. She can still hit through anyone, but moving defensively is a much bigger issue for her on clay than hard court. And yeah, I mean, this draw is just so much fun to look at because in the top, you have Barty and Spiontek, and then you have Kvitova. You have, uh, in the middle, you have uh, Paula Bedosa, who just beat um, yeah, uh, Joel Teichman in, um, in a good match. Uh, you'd think from the second two sets that um, that it was a, a bit of um, a runaway, but the, the third set, 6-2, was pretty competitive. You have uh, Bencic and Jabour in the middle. I think that's going to be a good match. You have uh, Sabalenka and Pugula, which is exciting. And uh, you have yeah. the potential for a Halep Sabalenka rematch. And Although I was looking that. forward to, I was looking forward to Pegula um, Azarenka because Pegula is the one who knocked oh, out yeah. Azarenka in the yeah. first round of Australian Open. And mm. uh, I was expecting like a competitive match in that one, but yeah. unfortunately Azarenka hurt her lower back. So she had to withdraw. But, that was such a shame. I hope she yeah. gets well soon. Yeah. 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 Uh, the other player that I'm looking here as a ball, and I feel like, not a lot has been saying has been said about her, um, but like Simona Halep, who's oh yeah, who's, yeah, this is her too. <laughs> she, she literally just bageled the first set in her in her first two matches. Yeah, um, she almost breadsticked um, Soriba Stormo if she wasn't such a huge ridiculous fighter. She would have oh, brought yeah. it almost. That would have been a six oh six one. Yeah, yeah, but six 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 oh six four. She's. She's just quietly saying like, "Hey, don't don't forget about me." You know, like I'm yeah. a little bit older, but I'm still I'm still oh, one no, of the best no, no. ones out there. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, it's 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 just gonna be fun to to see what happens. Um, interesting yeah. to see to see Brady playing super well too, because yeah, um, one of the things that is interesting about um her is that we've seen her playing playing well on hard course before. And the fact that she's doing so incredibly well right here just shows incredibly incredible versatility and you know learning like quick learning from her to to, to switch to um, clay courts and you know she had she had actually a much tougher match than it looked against Venus. Um, she had to um, defend, yeah that like, second uh, set that second yeah. set was anybody's game. I, I, I yeah she I, saved know. some some somewhere around like 
10 or 11 breakpoints all the yeah. mesh out so it was it was something something really impressive about it so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see um and about uh players um that come from america i guess like since i'm in, in here and the problem of movement it's the one thing that I can think of was like obviously as a, as a kid I was learning to play tennis on clay courts like the first time that I stepped on a clay, uh, on a tennis court wasn't clay it's it's almost like learning how to how to skate in a few, in a way right so if you're a kid and you it, it, it's just second nature for you to step on ice and you're skating but for people who don't know you just kind of have to learn with it as you go and uh, you can slide to be in position. You can slide to like get two shots on the net. You can slide yeah. to um, attack. You can slide on defense. It's it's just a way of movement that is it's something that you have to get used to. Um, and it's it's not as simple. You see players like sliding like four feet, uh, you know, of a slide. You can see like the huge marks on the ground on clay. But it's yeah, it's it's not like as simple as it looks. Like you have to gauge like how much how much how many steps you give. You give. You have to sort of stop and and stop already in position and kind of get ready you get in balance it's it's also easy to yeah. just kind of misjudge your step and instead of light you just um get caught on clay and you and you fall on ground yeah and, so, and that's the thing i noticed with thing, osaka yeah. with osaka yeah. that her feet were getting stuck in the clay like she was yes, yeah exactly her feet were getting caught you know, her, her feet yeah. were getting caught and she likes to take those little steps that work so yeah. well on a hard court and her defense is, is explosive yeah. on both corners on a hard court but mm. on on the clay like the way she has to plant her feet and kind of stretch and get to those balls it, yeah. it, it's so hard for her to yeah to then get back into a neutral position because then it's, she's it's, trapped yeah. in that corner and then yeah. and then next thing you know like you know Mukava has a million options at her disposal yeah. and she's she's at the mercy of her opponent and that's not the yeah. way she likes to play yeah, she exactly. likes to be the one dictating and dictating you know, making yeah. the yeah. making the offense and yeah. so then i think osaka knows this as well and so when she's on the defensive sometimes she'll let a winner go by just yeah. because it's so much of a hassle to have to deal with this every time she's yeah. on the defensive and those little yeah. um yeah. sorry what you said to andre i think yeah. uh, nadal even called moving on clay skating in his autobiography um and and someone who's so good at this is uh is Djokovic. like he can slide in all sorts of situations oh, yeah. sometimes yeah yeah even if he's barely on the defensive he'll go into a slide just to make like a kind of neutral shot even more comfortable and we know he can do it dead on the defense he can yeah. so yeah I, he's someone who i would look at if yeah. um yeah. if someone's learning how to slide from yeah. any point in their career and and i'm really glad you you brought up brady andre because yeah. um you know brady brady is super impressive against uh, yeah. venus because i thought venus played a very good second set and uh, not only that i'm just impressed by her uh the way her her forehand is so effective on the surface like i was watching her uh some highlights today against ostapenko ostapenko was just the whole match was basically gifs of her like of her just looking like perplexed like not knowing what to do by brady's mm -hmm. like massive forehand and for and first strike and she got she, a lot she, of spin too which is lovely yeah to see. and her her ball just jumps off the court and it's like and you know that um and it seems to work on hard courts. It seems to work on clay. It seems like it's uh, it, she has so much margin for on that shot, but also mm -hmm. just like the the weight of shot. It's kind of like Dominic Team esque in that it can it's it's this really like uh, heavy ball that yeah. that pushes opponents like behind the baseline, and then it's a very forehand based game. And then, mm -hmm. and then when she, when she, um, feels, uh, like she's getting peppered on her backhand, she'll just rip it down the line, like for a clean winner and it, it, less margin on that shot. But, um, you know, if she, if she just hits her spot perfectly, then she's, she's the one attacking and then, then she can just hit forehands all day. Yeah. And so it's, so I'd love to see a match between her and like Sakari or Mukova. 
mm-hmm. uh, you know, that'd be interesting. But it's like, I really don't know who's going to come through because you also mentioned Halep and Halep uh, had two bagels in her early rounds. And then she had yeah. trouble serving out the matches. So today she had 5-3 against uh, Zhang, but then she she got broken and just felt the nerves and yeah. got very passive. And, um, you know, Cerebus Tormo is, is such a fighter that she she made that she somehow got it back to five all, but it's... Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, we'll see if she's able to, because she's going to need to be able to close better yeah. against better players. Yeah. So, can so, I just uh, yeah. I just a little anecdote about movement that I just remember as well speaking as well mm-hmm. um, that, and it, it probably applies as well to players coming from clay and adjusting to um, hard and, and grass is that you're so used to sliding that I remember as a kid, like the, the, the professors are actually making exercises in which we actually were required to use small steps because they're just so used to sliding everywhere that it's just, mm-hmm. you forgot about like some of like the yeah. basic of uh, footwork just because it's just like, oh, sliding is just so much easier. Just get to the ball already in place and that's fine. Yeah. And then you'd have to like, no, you have to do, you have to do the small steps, but it was, it's a little weird to do that. It's, it's kind of like re- learning another type of footwork completely which is just insane that I'm just thinking about it just now in my life, uh, watching tennis. But yeah, that's, that's the thing. That, that's a great anecdote. Yeah. yeah. And I think, yeah. I think growing up on clay helps so much because you do learn that sliding and then it's applicable on every surface. Like you slide on hard courts, obviously. And mm-hmm. recently we've even seen sliding on grass. Uh, so it's, it's really funny that you actually had to yeah. use small <laughs> steps. I, um, I've only played a little bit on clay and I can't slide for my life. Um, I can never figure it out. I had to do a couple drills and it just wouldn't work. I was afraid that I would like overbalance and stuff. So it's pro players look, make it look very, very easy oh, yeah. do it on every point, but it is yeah. make, make no mistake. It's extremely yeah. difficult. I, I, I'm, I'm obviously not at the level of the the pros of the sliding that they do is just ridiculously stable, but I can, I can see like how, it's 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 a little bit of second nature as well like for um for my level you know so yeah, that, yeah that, that's, that's awesome yeah i i hope to never play you on clay <laughs> <laughs> i hope to i hope to be able to play on, on clay again because it's hard to find in north america sometimes some courts some court i've courts. played uh, yeah. i've played tennis on the grass at wimbledon and it's it's so low the bounce is so low and so slick it's like yeah it must be so cool though <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's, oh my gosh. It's it's the best. But I know that on clay I'd probably just fall and lose balance every time. But it's yeah. but it's the, the that's what makes this part of the season so interesting. Mm-hmm. But but to go back to the women's, um, just really yeah. quickly, like who do you think is gonna win? Like just give me your, your finals and you know who oh, who do you who do you think wins? Because this is nightmare to predict. This is, this is so difficult. Yeah. Um I in the top half. I think I'm going to say Barty makes it out of that popcorn match. I think she's a slight favorite due to the amazing results she's had this year. Uh, Sviantek hasn't mm-hmm. had a year that's good to that extent. So I think Barty makes it out of that, and then she goes through to the final. I'll say she beats... My gosh, I have no idea who the other semifinalist is going to be. Yeah. I'll say... I'm going to say Bedosa makes it to the final. Um, to the semi, sorry. Okay. And, uh, and, and Barty beats her, goes to the final. And then bottom half... I think Halif is the easiest pick to be one of the semifinalists, but I wouldn't be surprised if Sabalenka beat her again. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't even be surprised if Pagula beat her, but I think she will beat Mertens. Um, and then bottom quarter, I'll say Brady makes it out of that, winning like a tight match over Sakari. And then I'll say Halif beats Brady and Barty beats Halif. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I like that. 
I think so we're going to get your winner will be um, Barty. Yeah, I'm, I'm hesitant to pick her just because she's won two tournaments so recently, yeah. and I think, and so, even though this makes no sense lo- sense logically, I feel like she's like due for a loss. But yeah, <laughs> she's my pick. Yeah, so yeah. I have um, Shiantek getting to the final because I think, okay. uh, yeah, I think uh, I think the last time she Barty tried to win two tournaments, she fell at the stage. I'm just going off that logic because, yeah, like like <laughs> I mean, uh, she's got a tougher you know, opponent now, so yeah. yeah. And and if Shiantek like catches fire the way she has, like at the French, yeah. then uh, you know she can she can beat anybody in straight sets. It seems so. Yeah, I, just, I think her uh, best level on clay is better than Barty or what it's yeah. For. Yeah, so I think. I'll say she puts up an inspired performance tomorrow and finds that level. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if she didn't, but you know, predictions. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll just say, I'll say Fiontech gets to the final. I'm going to say she beats, um, you know, Bedosa as well. And then, yeah, gets to the final in the, and then on the bottom half, I really don't know. Like we could get Sabalenka and Halop again in the quarters, but then, um, you know, I mean, is Sabalenka really going to blow her off the court twice in a row? I, I don't think so. But, mm. you know, so I think uh, I'm going to say we get a Halop and Sviantec final. I'm going to go with that. that and I'm going to say, I'm, yeah. I'm going to say um, Halop wins in three sets. Mm. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. So just to make things a little different, I'll, I actually also got Sviantec um, Halop in the final. Surprisingly, uh, yeah, nothing is that unrealistic, honestly, at this point. But, yeah, it's uh, not. Uh, but the, the difference would be, well, I guess I have Sviantec and Badosa, which apparently is our only common pick. Um, yeah. And uh, I will yeah. say Sakari makes it into the semifinals, though. Uh-huh. I think that she's going to beat um, Brady and she's going to lose yeah. to to Halep um, in... in uh, I want to say two sets as well, straight sets. I okay. think, um, and for for the winner, I want to say Shviantek takes it against Halep in three sets, three top sets. Yep, sounds good. Yeah, I, um, I, I'd love to see them play again. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, something I wanted to uh, ask you guys about, uh, you know, before before we wrap it up, because uh, yeah. you know, you listeners have been quite patient with us. <laughs> but yeah. but I, I I'd like to say you know since since Karatsev has been a big part of our lives you know the last mm. uh, whatever this this whole season basically since the Australian Open um, two things first I realized that he's actually in the draw too and he's playing he could play Diego in the first round um, you know as a uh, you know a rematch of their third round and then mm. he's in that Tsitsipas section so it'll be interesting to see what he do but what I'm about to say is that there's another player right now on the Challenger Tour who is killing it. And he was basically cut his ranking in half from 312 to uh, about 166. And he's, mm. uh, he's the man known for retiring Thomas Burditch. And he's from the United States. His name is Jensen Brooksby. And he's now won three challengers this year. And he's won on clay uh, on, and on hard court. And it's when you see runs like this, uh, where you know they're killing it at the challenger level, like they're winning three titles or four titles in a row or getting to, in his case, three, three titles in one final then you'd start to see a trend where since the level is not too different from, you know, early top 100. And then when you have a one big breakthrough in an event, you can catapult your way to the rankings, just like Karatsev did. So I think mm-hmm. it's a name to keep an eye on. He was, he's 20 years old. He was supposed to go to, um, he was supposed to play in 2020, but he, he heard his, he had a, he had a big injury and he was supposed to go to, uh, he actually didn't turn pro after that, strangely enough, even after he beat Burditch. He decided to go one year at Baylor University. 
but uh, because of injuries and COVID, uh, it didn't work out for him. And so he didn't play the whole 2020 and he just started basically, this was his first uh, tournament in 2021 in January was after the US Open run where he got to the second round, I think, um, and lost to Pazilashvili. But just uh, just keep an eye out for him because um, he could be another one of those Americans yeah. in that uh, Sebastian Corda league. Yeah. What's yeah. his name again? Jensen Brooksby. Mm. And, uh, you know, something else that uh, we got news is that uh, a player who I found really fun to watch was at times a bit of a flash in the pan, at times quite exciting and pulled off some wins over Nadal and gave Djokovic some tough fights. And also, um, you know, was just part of a, part of that uh, part of that Nadal Djokovic generation about 33 years of age his name is Alexander Dolgopolov and he hasn't played in the last 3 years but he announced his retirement and uh you know i'm curious what do you what do you guys think of uh, of of that and him as a player and what he brought to tennis yeah i think I, it was um, the yeah go ahead first oh no sorry you go i was about to say i haven't actually seen much of him so oh yeah i remember a lot of him coming up uh he was actually surprisingly enough called next gen like by the time he was up um against Nadal <laughs> yeah. and Djokovic but like it, he was a player that and the reason why is because number one he he actually um there's a quote somewhere that he said he he wanted to be number one um mm-hmm. point so he he actually had the talent he had the shots things that let him down a lot were were um his flashy game was his advantage and disadvantage all at the same time because yeah. one he could hit any shot from anywhere but he could also miss any shot from anywhere mm-hmm. uh, including his first serve he would often have matches of like um like 50 55 percent uh, percentage of first serves in because his yeah. ball toss was so unconventional and just so yeah. really, just incredibly low it's kind of like um Murat Safin's back in the 2000s, uh, his, his ball toss is awfully low as well. He switched it for mm-hmm. a little bit higher. So he can get a little bit more control, more time to wind up, I guess. Um, I don't know too, too much on the technique on the serve and the, to- and the toss, but um, um, it, 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 he was just netting constantly his first serves. And um, although yeah. his second serve was really good, if you just don't have much of a pace and a uh, first serve in, it's it's kind of tough and... He he was one of the craziest guys to, to watch play, but um, not incredibly, not not exactly a mental giant, not anything like yeah. that. But he was fun to watch, and uh, and I got the news that he retired. I just realized that I haven't seen him play for so many years. But in all honesty, the pandemic makes everything feels like it's been ten years already. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean, best of luck to to the guy, right? I mean, he was super fun to watch. Pulled off yep. some great great wins, has some great matches. Just check him out on on, on YouTube. See if you can find some other um, full matches of him. It's really fun. So yeah, uh, yeah. And one of the things that the Gil Gross actually said on Twitter is like, "Never seen a guy who actually slice yeah. so quick." I'm pretty sure I saw the ball actually going up instead of down by the time yeah, he reached the net. He has yeah. a full swing on the slice. It's like a, yeah. it's like a, it's it's, a, it's own backhand stroke. Like he he can yeah. he has and he gets like this wicked side spin on it. He hits these yeah, crazy drop shots. I'd say Google if you're looking for one specific match that epitomizes Alexander Dolgopolov, go on YouTube, search up 2012 Australian Open, round three against Bernard Tomic. It's like a four. Oh it's a four, four hours of just slicing and dicing and just side spins and angles and like flicks and touch shots. It's like 
it's like the, basically an exhibition match for for five sets. It's yeah, it's, honestly, in, it's incredible. Tomek and Doug Apollov and Moncori, you're sure yeah. gonna get some two, crazy weird stuff that you're never gonna. Two see. goats, two goats. I was about to say two goats. Two yeah. goats. Yeah. like like two of the greatest players of all time. Like just <laughs> freaking mental giants like no and also it's just i'll always remember his wins like when he um when he played djokovic he played djokovic at uh two twice in 2015 and he nearly pulled it off like he was so close to beating him he played djokovic in miami in 2015 and he was seven six four one up and uh and he he was like four two up he had like a break point for like to win that set like six one and then of course Djokovic being Djokovic like wins that close set and then bigles him in the third set. But but nonetheless and it was a, it was a great being match. Dugopalov, he screwed yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway. But but I mean and then they played again in Cincinnati and this time he had six four and it was and then they had a second set tie break and he had two uh he was two points away from winning the match. He had five four oh, he had five four and two serves and then Djokovic again, yeah. Djokovic locked down <laughs> and then <laughs> and twice just, in a year. That's brutal. Yeah, and I then but, six, yeah. Yeah. Set. those matches. But and then and then he beat and then he beat Nadal twice and the the one that impressed me a lot was the win in Indian Wells in 2014 where he came back from a set down, and he beat him mm-hmm. in a third set tiebreak and that that was spectacular shot making. At times Nadal's forehand was falling very short, which yeah exactly it's but... a, it's shot making is definitely what uh, you yeah. can expect from him. It's 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 one of those players that you you remember for him making crazy yeah. good shots and yeah. it's shots that you you're not going to see from the big three if not. Yeah, ever right. not often, if not ever, right? So, and I think the big three—they respected him and they knew how tough of an opponent he was. He was like a foil oh, yeah. for for a lot of players, and because you have to, you have to be alert. That's the thing, right? If Djokovic right. wasn't alert, he would have lost those two times. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and it was nice to see Federer also. You know, nice touch from him too. Yeah, directly, sends a nice message on Instagram. The DM is lighting to his DM. DMs too. So, so yeah, I like so, yeah. how he signed at Raj. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, good luck to him, and uh, good luck to everybody in Madrid, and good luck yeah. to everybody who listened to this podcast. To um, uh, a reminder to everybody to subscribe, to uh, follow us all on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you follow Andre at, at Rollenberg Andre. You can follow Owen at uh, Tennis Nation, uh, and you can follow me at uh, Launch V2K. I'll always be tweeting a lot of stats, and we'll be um, we'll be in in touch. So uh, feel free to leave us a message a review on iTunes is always helpful uh, on Apple podcasts. If you can, that'd be nice. And yeah, tell your friends, tell everybody about this podcast. And uh, I love this conversation. It was, it was so nice to have Andre back and uh, yeah, we covered a lot of great uh, stuff today. So, so thanks guys. Yeah. Th- yep. This felt like the most normal podcast we've done in a while yeah. <laughs> and uh, re- really fun. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 